Hello everybody and welcome to my new article. Um, today we're going to talk about tuberculosis, uh, a stubborn disease caused by a stubborn bacteria that we just can't seem to get rid of. It's World TBD on the 24th of March and on this day in 1882, Robert Koch announced that he had discovered the bacteria that causes tuberculosis, hence we celebrate on this day. Um, and to celebrate, I thought I'd write an article about uh, one of my current research nemeses, the bacteria that actually causes tuberculosis, or TB, called Mycobacterium tuberculosis. To start with, what is tuberculosis? And this is a question that I answered as part of my role at UCL's Ask the Esp Expert panel, and you can read my full explanation on the website, and there's a link on my blog. Um, TB is caused by the type of bacteria that lives in people's lungs and sometimes lives in other organs of the body. It can cause a cough, sometimes with blood, um, fever, weakness and weight loss. And people who have tuberculosis often have it for a very long time and over time it can make you very sick and some people um, do actually die of it. Um, you can read about the symptoms and management of tuberculosis um, from the link on my blog, but luckily there are drugs that can treat tuberculosis uh, although more about the problems that we face with TB drugs later on. How long have we been dealing with TB? It seems that actually we've been living with tuberculosis for a very long time, as researchers have found evidence of, of the disease in mummies. An Egyptian woman who died in 600 BC was found to have died of TB, and that the DNA of uh, mycobacteria tuberculosis was still able to be extracted and in good enough condition to be identified after more than 2,500 years is, is kind of mind-blowing. Even the scientists who did it, and coincidentally, Dr. Helen Donahue, who led the project, also works at the Centre for Clinical Microbiology with me, and she has had a very interesting career. Even they decided that it was absolutely crazy that they could have done this, the magic of science. As we've been living with the scourge of TB for so long, we've also had quite a long history of how we've gone about trying to get rid of it as well. And there's a really good history of tuberculosis research on the CDC's website. Despite the best efforts of hundreds of scientists from around the world, nowadays it is still incredibly common, especially in certain countries. The WHO estimates that around 10 million people a year get sick with tuberculosis and 1.5 million people die of it. Even more surprising, perhaps, is that it's estimated that 1.8 billion people, that's nearly a quarter of the entire world's population, are in fact currently uh, infected with TB and many don't even know they have it. Where in the world is TB common? Whilst TB is pretty rare in the UK nowadays, um, it used to be a very common cause of death. In fact, my great-grandmother died of TB in a sanatorium in the 1940s when she was in her early 30s, um, and there still wasn't any good treatment for it. There's a link and you can read a TB patient's diary extract about life in a sanatorium. I've put a link. Um, I thought it was really quite interesting, especially the uh, medical advice of the time before antibiotics, uh, one of which was living the life of a log, which seems very, very dull to me. Whilst to some people, uh, like me from the UK, the idea of having TB might seem banished to the history books and old patient diaries, uh, you might be surprised to find that TB currently exists in every country of the world. Although others might be surprised to find that people like me think that way because it's extremely common in many countries. Uh, and there's a really good map uh, from the CDC, Blah, blah, CDC, that shows the estimated rates of TB per 100,000 people. Much of Africa, Asia and parts of South America all carry a heavy burden of TB. 
North America, Europe and the Middle East have lower rates of TB incidence. If we go back again to the WHO's fact sheet, it tells us that in 2020, the 30 high TB burden countries accounted for 86% of new TB cases. Eight countries accounted for two thirds of the total, uh, with India leading the count, so with the highest number of TB patients, followed by China, Indonesia, the Philippines, Pakistan, Nigeria, Bangladesh and South Africa. That's a lot of cases uh, concentrated in a very few high burden countries. How come we haven't got rid of it yet? Now, without a great vaccine and a heck of a lot of people um, working very hard um, around the world, we're yet to get rid of any disease apart from smallpox. And that's because we had a good, effective vaccine. We currently only have one widely approved and available vaccine for tuberculosis, and that's the BCG vaccine. It has widely variable effectiveness and doesn't work particularly against pulmonary or lung tuberculosis, which is the most common form. TB is also a very long-lived, slow-burning disease. And whilst it does, this does mean that you have time to diagnose it before it potentially kills you, it also means that people often have TB for a very, very long time, sometimes unknowingly and without being obviously unwell, and who will be spreading it about their communities without even realising, which is also known as latent TB. We're starting to realise that TB isn't always caused by uh, mycobacterium tuberculosis either, and in fact, there's a whole complex of very similar species that can cause TB-like disease uh, called the Mycobacterium tuberculosis complex, or MTC. These species are all very closely related, which can make diagnosing them down to the species level very tricky. They're also different enough that treating them can make is more complicated. Oh, and just to make the picture even more complicated, there's a group of environmental mycobacteria that also cause similar diseases, and these are called the non-tuberculous mycobacteria, or NTMs. Trying to identify the individual species, which requires molecular or sequencing diagnostic tools, and therefore the most appropriate treatment, can be hard enough for a large reference laboratory, never mind a small healthcare centre in a resource-poor rural setting who might only have access to a microscope, some slides and some stains to diagnose TB. TB is often found in people who are already sick with something else, uh, and this is called a co-infection. This is especially common in people with HIV, and TB is one of the leading causes of deaths for people with HIV. In Africa especially, the rates of both TB, TB and HIV are high, uh, and you can read about the global HIV statistics in the link on my blog. The drugs that we use to treat TB are not very fun to take. It can take a lot of drugs and a very long time to cure TB, from around six months of taking drugs if you have an easy to treat case of TB, to 18 months or more if you have an especially difficult or multi-drug resistant infection. The drugs can also have some very unpleasant side effects. They're very toxic. Some of them can only be taken intravenously, so via the blood, which means a patient might have to travel many miles at considerable expense to get the treatment. Often TB affects the poorest people in a community and there can be a considerable financial burden associated with TB treatment something that the WHO is looking to address. So why is it so hard to treat TB? We know that the drugs we use to treat TB aren't great, but why is it so difficult to get rid of TB when an infection with another bacteria, such as E. coli, might only take a few days or weeks of antibiotics? It turns out that TB is a very sneaky little bug. And this is mostly down to how the TB bacteria and those in the mycobacteria group are made up. 
the cells um, of TB, so um, the individual bacteria, are protected by a unique, specially constructed layer around the outside called a cell envelope that contains peptidoglycans, which is a mesh-like layer of sugars and amino acids, which maintains the integrity of the cell and also maintains its virulence, which is its ability to infect and cause damage to a host. This special layer makes it really hard for drugs to penetrate the bacteria, uh, and you can read about the cell wall's interaction with antibiotics um, in a link. Another issue with TB treatment is that within a patient, there are often different populations of genetically identical bacteria, some of which are growing, most of which might be growing, but some of which uh, remain dormant. Most of our TB drugs target actively growing bacteria, um, and this is called bacteriostatic drugs, and so that the dormant ones get left behind. And once we stop treatment, they will begin to grow so that the TB infection continues. You can read about the importance of bactericidal drugs, uh, which actually kill the bacteria, versus bacteriostatic, which prevents further growth um, here on my blog. TB is becoming increasingly drug resistant. Although interestingly, whilst the term AMR, antimicrobial resistance, is used when describing other bacterial species, we tend to use the word drug rather than antimicrobial or antibiotic when describing TB. So TB can be multi-drug resistant, MDR, extensively drug resistant, XDR, or PAN, totally drug resistant, which is PDR. You can read more about TB resistance on the TB Alliance website. And if you want to learn more about antimicrobial and drug resistance in general, you can read um, some of my other blog posts uh, about AMR, what antimicrobials are and why they're important, and why protecting uh, antimicrobials is really important as well. Why is TB so hard to study? Quite aside from all of the reasons that I've mentioned above, TB is also a really annoying organism to study. I've been working on it for a number of years now and on similarly pathogenic bacteria since the beginning of my PhD. And boy, is it a faff. It's really slow growing. The doubling time, so how long it takes for one bacteria to split and make two daughter cells, um, for, for example, E. coli, uh, which is every microbiologist's favorite bacteria, is about 20 minutes. You can have a useful amount of E. coli culture in about 24 hours, but TB's doubling time alone is at least 24 hours, and that's only when it's really happy with the media you've given it, the temperature it's living in, that kind of thing, which means it takes a few weeks to get to the same stage. So you've really got to plan your experiments well, otherwise you'll end up wasting a lot of time. Another complication is that mycobacteria tuberculosis is classified as a hazard group 3 organism, which requires a, bi a, a biological safety level 3 laboratory. Um, this is because it's very infectious and can be very hard to treat. And you can learn more about how pathogens are classified based on how dangerous they are um, in the link. Anyone's who, anyone who's ever worked in a high containment laboratory knows how laborious it can be. Naturally, you have to be quite organised, very careful, and to take your time. You're constantly disinfecting things and everything has to be done in a microbiological safety cabinet to protect you from inhaling whatever it is you're working on. I did my PhD on plague, which is Yersinia pestis and is another hazard group 3 organism, and it was a really hard slog. I was mildly disappointed, though, to find out that plague doesn't have its own day like TB does. Extracting the DNA out of tuberculosis is also a bit of a nightmare. 
Thanks to its super impenetrable cell wall, it's also really hard for chemicals we use to crack them open to actually do their job. So we have to use loads of different chemicals, as well as physical efforts such as sonication uh, or vibrating it very uh, fast to open up those cells. And this means we're more likely to damage the DNA that's inside so that it's it's a difficult balance of extracting enough DNA and making sure that what we do get is good enough quality to use. And speaking of DNA, TB also has a difficult genome. 65% of it is G's and C's, uh, and it's got loads of identical repeating regions, which makes it very hard to amplify if you want to PCR it, and also very hard to piece it together if you're trying to sequence it. Because it's slow growing, it means it hasn't changed that much from other strains, which makes it hard to differentiate between um, and also to identify mutations. Although there are plenty of bioinformatics tools uh, that you can try and deal with TB specifically because of this. We've been working on this for a long time. What about the future of TB? So I've pointed out how hard it is to treat and how difficult it is to work with, and I should also mention how much the COVID-19 pandemic has set back the global TB situation. Um, So you might be thinking it's all pretty bleak, but it's not. There are a number of new TB vaccines in the pipeline, uh, and you can read them out about them on the WHO's TB vaccine webpage and the regulations that they have to meet for safety and effectiveness. New treatment regimes are being approved um, all the time, Recently, the BPAL regimen, uh, which is combining the antibiotics bedaquiline, protominid and linezolid, was uh, approved for use against highly drug-resistant TB. The treatment of highly drug-resistant TB can often take 18 months or more, so this is really good news. And you can read about how TB Alliance are developing new combinations and testing new drugs um, in an effort to improve TB treatment. So, despite the difficulties... TB is a pretty well-funded disease, at least compared to most infectious diseases, and lots of research is being done. And we know more about TB than we've ever known, so things are positive.